song it's a victory song it's a dance praise song just 
we've come to bless him. Let's, we're going to sing the chorus together a couple of times. Kind of get it in our mind and see how the chorus goes. Go like this. And all that's
Thank you for your precious blood that brings us the victory. Through its mercy and its grace, it reaches down to wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, whatever situation, whatever problem, whatever healing we're needing, oh God, you supply, oh God. And we lift you now for that. Let's glorify the Lord together, church. Give him honor, give him praise. Thank him for his presence. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Your blood is a rescue to the sin-stained life. Your blood is a healing for the hopeless and broken. Your blood is enough. Jesus, it's enough. Your blood is a shelter. In the middle of my storm, your blood is my refuge when I'm hurting and alone. Your blood is enough. Jesus, it's enough. Sing that verse again. I sing that verse again. Your blood is a shelter. Your blood is a shelter in the middle of this storm. Your blood is our refuge when we're hurting and alone. Your blood is enough. 
Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. What a mighty God we serve today. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad to be here? Amen. I tell you what, let's be praying for the Floyd family. I don't know if y'all have been watching the news with George Floyd, that poor African-American guy that the um, white officer put his uh, knee on his neck and he ended up dying. Anybody saw that news? It was wrong. There, there's no justification for, for that action. And so today we pray for that family. And not only for the family, we pray for the world. It's, it's folks, it's things like this that, that cause racial tension and division in our country. And I hate, I absolutely despise when people do such idiotic things. It just ruins it for all of us. It just does. You think you make some ground and then next thing you know, you take one step forward, two steps back. Man, when will we ever learn? When will we ever learn? That God wants us to love everybody as ourself. And I promise you, if you love yourself, you don't want to kill yourself, do you? I don't want to. I, I enjoy life. I love being alive. So let's pray for this family today. There are several other needs. Um, I have a friend, um, Becky McLean, that her daughter Tina is in the hospital. I told her today that I would mention her. And we're going to pray at the close of service for all of these requests. And I'm sure if you have some needs as well. Welcome to our Facebook audience today that's watching with us. Many of those are our church folks. Some are from other places, so we welcome you today. My prayer is that by the close of this service that you will be blessed. Acts chapter 19, verse 13 through 16. Let's get right into the word this morning. Could you stand for the reading of the word? And then I'll let you sit down for about 30 minutes, and we'll pray, and I'll let you go home. How does that sound? Some of you have already put me on a clock, haven't you? you would be like, 31, 31. The Bible says a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, he talked back to them, and he said this, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? I'm going to read that again. That's powerful. But one time they tried it, but the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. You may be seated today. Does the devil know your name? That's all I need to know today. Does the devil know your name? Can you imagine the scene? It would have been interesting to see that these name forgers, and I use them name forgers because they didn't have authority to use the name of Jesus. They were fakes. These name forgers had an evil spirit that insulted them, jumped on them, literally beat them up, and they escaped. By running down the street, the Bible says that it was a violent affair, that these demons literally stripped off their clothes and they left battered, bruised, and running naked down the road. Can anybody imagine that? What an encounter. Be careful with the name of Jesus. 
I said, be careful with the name of Jesus because it is the most powerful name in the whole wide world. And only the blood bought and redeemed have the right and the authority, today's Pentecost Sunday by the way, they have the authority through the working of the Holy Spirit to use that name. So, so when people start throwing out the name of Jesus, make sure you're not a name forger. Make sure that you have the authority and the Holy Spirit in you to be able to use that name or something like this could happen to you. Dutch Sheets in his book Intercessory Prayer related a story concerning a bodybuilder who visited Africa. The village chiefs asked him what he did with all of those muscles that he had. He proceeds to give the chief an exhibition of his strength. He flexes his biceps, his triceps, his bulging calf and thigh muscles. After admiring the muscles of the man for a few moments, the chief asked him, so what else do you do with those things? To which the muscular man says, that's about all. And he replies, um, that's all you use those muscles for? With a puzzled look, the chief says, yes, replies the man. What a waste, muttered the chief. What a waste. I want, to, I want to use that story and I want to tell you this. We have been well equipped to deal with the devil, our enemy. We should never be like this bodybuilder. Can I say to somebody today that spiritual bodybuilders are needed in the kingdom of God? Look at 1 Timothy 4. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, so God doesn't tell you not to take care of your body. Don't misunderstand it. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better than these physical things promising benefits not only in this life but in the life to come we need to develop spiritual muscles and the only way that we can become a spiritual bodybuilder is by completing our spiritual exercises once building up our muscles in the spirit we cannot just stand around flexing our muscles in competition and never attack the adversary of our souls we need to stop flexing and we need to start using those spiritual muscles for something other than just trying to show off when people walk around talking about oh look how spiritual I am you know the Pharisees they have these so called spiritual muscles they know the scriptures they act like they're spiritual folks but God was wanting them to understand you are not utilizing them the way that I want you to utilize them how do I build spiritual muscles spiritual exercises number one you got to be born again you got to wrestle according to Ephesians 6 12 that's right a spiritual wrestling you got to put on the whole armor of God you got to pray you got to fast you got to challenge Satan by using Jesus Jesus' name. you got to study the Word of God and not only study it and read it, but you need to utilize it. You need to speak it out. You need to pray in the Spirit. You need to cast out devils by the authority of Jesus. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over your life, your family's life. You need to pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be manifested in your life. Always remember that the gifts of the Spirit are the power tools of the church and we still need them in operation today. Somebody ought to say amen. We are to use these spirits spiritual weapons. We are to resist the devil, submit ourselves to God. We are to live a life committed to truth and to righteousness. These are ways that we build our spiritual muscles. They are spiritual exercises. But please be aware that after completing these exercises, one will become a man that the devil knows and the devil fears. It, it will be as if a spiritual sign has been put on your heart once you complete these spiritual things and develop your spiritual muscles. That 
that says, devil, my life is a danger zone. In other words, you are the one at risk. See, there's some people the devil doesn't mind going into their territory. He's not afraid of them. But for those that have been building their spiritual muscles, for those that have been calling on the name of Jesus, for those that have been pleading the blood of Jesus over their homes and over their lives and over their job, for those people, Satan says, I can't hang around them. Let me tell you something, folks. The word of God will put the devil to flight. The powerful name of Jesus will put the devil to flight. So why in the world do we sit around defeated, acting as if we're the victim? We need to understand we are the victor. And we need to understand that we've got the authority by the powerful name of Jesus to cast out devils, to rebuke them, and they must leave our, area, our territory, our area, wherever we are. And so we, when we build these muscles... Psalm 141 says, Blessed be the Lord who is my strength. He teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Through these spiritual exercises and disciplines, we will make sure that not only are our names written in the book of life in heaven, but we'll make sure that our names are also recognized by the devil while we're here on earth. I'm going to say that again. As we build these spiritual muscles, these spiritual exercises, not only will our name be written in heaven, but our name will be written. The devil will know our name is what I'm trying to say in short. He will know it on the earth. We will be a man or a woman that both God and the devil know. Now I want to give you some quick points here. Number one, I want you to understand that we have an enemy. The name Satan, you've heard it before. Satan is used 52 times in the Bible. The word Satan simply means adversary. That means he is against us. He is anti-God, all right? If God wants it, the devil doesn't want it. Everybody with me? If, if you're doing good, the devil wants you to do evil, all right? Whatever the bipolar opposite is of what God wants in my life, that's what the devil... He is an adversary. He's an antagonist. Satan is our enemy. There are three enemies that we must learn to overcome and conquer. The first one is our flesh. The only way to overcome the flesh is through the Spirit, Listen, I can't overcome my flesh by myself. I don't have the power to do so. If I try to overcome the flesh with the flesh, I'm going to fail. But once I try to overcome the flesh with the Spirit, see, the Bible says that the flesh and Spirit war against one, one another. So the one I'm feeding the most is the one that is going to win. I've got to learn to overcome the flesh. It is my enemy. This Adamic nature is one of the worst enemies that I have and that you have. And if we're not careful, we'll fall prey to it. We've got to overcome the devil, the God of this world. He is constantly buffeting us. He is constantly tempting us. He is constantly accusing. The Bible said he's an accuser of the brethren. He's constantly accusing us before God, saying we're unworthy. We made mistakes. We do this and that and the other. We've got to learn to overcome the world because the world is the enemy of God, ladies and gentlemen. The world is the enemy of Christian values. Some of you may not remember when President Obama was in office at Target and some of these other ones. Does anybody remember the transgender bathroom law? Anybody remember that? Yeah, y'all remember that? Yeah. We had people talking about, I ain't going in Target, I ain't using Target. And then Starbucks decided they were going to join the crew, which was stupid. They got single bathrooms, so who cares what it is? There's one stall. So seriously, there, there's a, a male and female, of course. But most of the time, I don't care. It don't matter if it's male or female. If nobody's in there, that's called a bathroom, honey. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've done it too. God bless you. But that transgender thing come out. We're, we have an enemy. The world is our enemy, ladies and gentlemen. 
That's what the scriptures tells us. But we still have to show the love of God to them to try to win them and convert them. We have an enemy. Number two, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. According to 2 Corinthians 2.11, he said, let him, don't let the devil take advantage of you for you are not ignorant of his devices. That word devices means his schemes, his plans that he has for your life. And trust me, somebody, the devil has some plans for your life. But I also want to tell you, God's got some plans for you too. Hallelujah. Whose plans are you going to fulfill? Whose plans and wishes are you going to uh, do? Now watch. A Woman's Guide to Spiritual Warfare highlights a personal experience of co-author Ruth Ann Garlic. And I'm going to read her story. She had visited an ancient city in Intigua, Guatemala. The Mayan Indians had inhibited this area years before. The Indians had fought with bows and arrows and were considered to be one of the fiercest tribes. However, Spanish soldiers had an advantage because they wore armor. They had horses, and they also used guns. Horses were unknown to the Mayans at the time. The Mayan Indians didn't even know there was a horse. And so when they saw this swift animal running and they saw the man on top, they literally thought that it was one creature. They had never seen this before. They thought it was one. So whenever they got ready to attack, they take their bows and arrows and they aim them at the horse. Not knowing that their real enemy was not the horse. Their real enemy was on the back of the horse. They were able that day to kill a lot of horses, is what she told in her book, with their arrows. But the soldiers just jumped off and they shot the Indians with their guns and absolutely slaughtered. The Mayans were killed by the hundreds that day. They did not realize that the real enemy was riding on the horse's back. It was not the horse. See, I want you to understand. Today, Christians do the same type of thing. I have seen churches shoot each other instead of shooting the real enemy. Son, that'll preach, that'll preach, that'll preach. We have wounded one another. We have shot at one another. We have shot at the plans of God. We've added, because it's out of our comfort zone, we attack. Because we don't agree with it, we attack. Because we never did it that way, we attack. In that instant, what we are doing, we are attacking one another. We're soldiers in the army of God. And the devil sits back and laughs and says, My God, let them destroy each other. That's why when you look at churches, many churches, they, it's so sad. I, I know pastors that deal with this all the time. And I know churches that have, that have seen the effects of this. And they fought with so, so much together that the body divided. Has anybody known a church like that? Has anybody known a church that split in half because of division? That they couldn't get along. And so so-and-so in the church was a preacher. He decided he'd go start independent work. Y'all know what I'm preaching about today. Or they decided, well, if that church can't make me happier, do what I want, and I'm going to go to the church down the road. Always division. God, help us to recognize who our enemy is. You are not my enemy, my dear sister. I am not your enemy. We are trying for the same purpose. And that purpose should be to win souls for Jesus Christ. When we get that mentality, I call it kingdom mentality, our wants and our preference don't mean anything anymore. Our comfort zone doesn't mean anything anymore. It is about how in the world do I bring somebody to Jesus Christ because that is the reason for the church in the first place, ladies and gentlemen today we do not have time to shoot at one another we've got to shoot at the real enemy now you look at Genesis 3 the devil's crafty 
You look at Genesis 3.13. The devil is a deceiver. He's a liar and the father of all lies according to John 8.44. He's the accuser of the brethren according to Revelation 12.10. He's the tempter in Matthew 4 and in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 5. From Genesis even to the last book of Revelation. Listen to me. You will never find a demon fighting against another demon. You will never find a witch fighting against another witch. Do you know why? Because Satan's house is in order. Are y'all ready for this? Is this a good Pentecost Sunday sermon? It is. Before I get finished, it will be. Listen. Satan's house is in order. When he gets ready to attack, it is well thought out. It is well planned. It is schemed. It is plotted. See, the thing about the devil and me that are different is he's patient and I'm not. So the devil can plot something against me that he plans to see happen in my life a year from now. And he can patiently wait for my thought. Is everybody with me? But me on the other hand, I'm impatient. Many of you in the flesh, you're impatient too. So Satan is crafty. We have to watch out for him. We see a house that is in order. That is why the Bible tells us about the church and about brothers and sisters in Christ. It said a house that is divided cannot stand. So he tells us at that point, the Apostle Paul, he says, get all division and schisms out from among you. Only when you get around the church, folks, is when the spotting starts going on. That'll preach, but I'm just going to have to move on. But God, help us to realize who the enemy is here. The enemy is the devil. The enemy is Satan. Let us never forget that concept. So when I get ready to attack you, I need to remember, no, 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 no. I'm doing the work of Satan when I do that. That's, that's, not, that's not what God wants me to do. What God tells me to do is when I have an enemy to love that enemy. That's against my human nature. That's against what my flesh wants to do. But the Spirit tells me to do it anyhow. For people that have talked about me, that ran my name through the mud. Now the flesh in me says you just mark them off and, and if you see them, you just go down a different aisle. You don't have to talk to them anymore. They did you wrong, buddy. You can do that to them. You're justified. But the Spirit says, no, no, no. They're not your enemy. God said the devil is your enemy. And if those people did wrong, all they were doing was the work of their father, the devil. Come on, somebody. They need to be delivered. They need to be set free. And you need to try as a Christian and a man of God, a woman of God, to reach out to them and pull them back to the loving arms of Jesus Christ. My God. The enemy in battle would like for you to understand much about him and his location he will use deceit he will use lies he will use trickery to create a false understanding of his position and his battle plans he'll change it up sometimes but Paul said we are not ignorant of the devil's tactics plans we also know his weaknesses he would like to deceive us he would like to tempt us until we fall and then accuse us of falling if you know the devil's weaknesses if you know where the devil is vulnerable, then attack him there. Anybody ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress? The one thing that was interesting in that book was when they were in a war. And at one point, Christian, who, who is Pilgrim's Progress, uh, he's going and he understands that the enemy knows that his back is the only thing that doesn't have armor. So where does the enemy attack him? From behind. You always, in battle, you attack 
the vulnerable spot. But I'm here to tell somebody today, I know the devil's vulnerabilities. I know the devil's weaknesses. I know that the name of Jesus will make him tremble. I know that when used with authority, not by the seven sons of Sceva, but by those that are blood-bought, redeemed, and have the power of the Holy Ghost living inside of them, for that church, for that Christian, let me tell you, it is the most vulnerable thing that you can use against the devil. Because at the name of Jesus, he begins to tremble. All of hell begins to shudder and shake in fear. Because that name is going to be the name that one day is going to be his demise. Somebody ought to shout, hallelujah. So what is the opposite of up? What is the opposite of light? Darkness. What is the opposite of good? It is evil. What is the opposite of God? Now, now before you answer, don't, don't everybody get too excited here. Most of us are automatically, because of the rhetoric I'm using, we are going to go straight to the devil or Satan. But Satan is not the opposite of God. Why do you say that? Because God is distinct. There is no opposite to God. He stands alone. Satan is opposite to the angels. He's opposite to Gabriel. He's opposite to me. He's opposite to Michael the archangel. He lost his job one day, Satan did, because he wanted to exalt himself to be like God, to be an equal. But he is not an equal with God. He wanted to enter God's office, wanted to sit at God's desk and control everyone. So I have another question to ask. Where is the devil right now this very moment? If somebody says in hell... The devil is not in hell. I want everybody to know that. He is staying as far away from that place as he can. Many people think that the devil goes down into hell fire and, and burns there a while and then he comes back up to check out the things on the earth. He is not in hell right now. But he's going to hell. Because when God created hell, hell was not created for me. Hell was not created for you. Hell was not created for those that are murderers or thieves or those that are the lowest of the low. That is not who hell was created for. The Bible said that God created hell for the devil and for his angels. That is why God said it is not his will that anyone should die and go to hell. It is his will that all should come unto repentance. Hell was created for him. Satan is the God of this age. He's the kingdom of the air. He's walking around according to 1 Peter 5 right now. You want to know where he is? He is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. But we are not ignorant of his plans, devices, or his tricks. And we know his vulnerabilities. Number three. I got to hurry. We're in a battle. Ephesians 6, 12 said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, darkness of this world, against spiritual uh, wickedness in high places. However, many of us, we stop at the we wrestle not. But you got to read it on and you figure out there's a lot of warfare going on. A matter of fact, look at Matthew 12, 29 this morning on the screens. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man? And plunder his goods. Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up. And then plunder his house. Just leave that verse up for just a minute. Now we learn in Mark chapter 3.27. And this is also in Matthew 12.29. This verse is reiterated two times in the New Testament. That there is a spiritual conflict against Satan. It involves three concepts. And I'm going to show them to you really quick. This is good. Number one. We have to declare war against Satan. Now, now, I want you to watch this. Sometimes defense isn't good enough. 
Sometimes we got to go on the offense. Now, now, what's the difference in the defense and the offense? The defense is I'm just going to sit here, and I, when the devil shows up, I'm, I'm going to try to be ready to attack him. He ain't going to win this battle, buddy. I've been waiting. No, that's defense. The offense says, wait a minute. The devil ain't getting to my children, so I'm going to meet him in the yard. Woo! Man, y'all look dead today. Have you got COVID or something, my Lord? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right now. It's time to go on the offense. Like, like, friends, if you go to your job and you get sick and tired every time you go to your job, you stressed out, always something going on. Let me tell you something. Don't allow him to get to your office. Go ahead when you're in the parking lot and say, not today, devil, not today. That is going on the defense. That is protecting your house now. So sometimes you've got to declare war on the devil. He's not the one that is always the one that has to attack. There's times in your life that you need to go with the authority and the powerful name of Jesus like the seven sons of Sceva tried to do. But you have authority through the power of the Holy Ghost to go to the devil and say, Not today, devil. Not today. I am bringing war to your house. There, there's times you just have to do that. Number two, entering Satan's house. Anywhere he has a stronghold. I like this. We have to call him out. If the devil's attacking your place of work, rebuke him in Jesus' name. If the devil is attacking your marriage, then rebuke that stronghold in Jesus' name. If the devil's trying to steal your kids and send them down a wrong path, steal them away, rebuke them in the name of Jesus. That's a stronghold. If the devil tries to come into this church in the God's house and bring a stronghold, I'm going to rebuke it so fast in the name of Jesus. Say, God, pull down that stronghold and pull it down right now. You have to enter Satan's house. Anywhere he has a stronghold, you attack that area. Don't just let him take up camp there. you got to get him out. Number three, look at this. Carrying away his possessions and setting the captives free. We take back what the devil's stolen from us. We talked about this last week. He's given you enough sleepless nights. Now it's time for you to make him lose some sleep. He's worried you long enough. Now it's time for him to recognize who you are. It's time for you to worry him. Somebody said, Pastor, I can't do that. You start doing your spiritual exercises, you can. If you develop spiritual muscles, you can. If you understand, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost like you claim you are, you can. Man, I feel like preaching today. God, help me please today, Jesus. It's time for us to shake up hell with our prayers, with our faith. It is time to rebuke alcoholism, strongholds. It is time to rebuke drugs, strongholds. Whether they're on the street or whether we got them behind the drug desk at the pharmacy. It is time for us to rebuke perversion off of people that are bound by things of their flesh. It is time to tell them in the name of Jesus they have been set free. We have stormed the house of the strong man we have taken away his spoils you've been set free you don't have to be bound any longer Jesus has changed your situation somebody ought to shout amen today my God help me Jesus I'm going to close with this so we got an enemy we know who he is we're not ignorant of his devices we're, we're in a war but last I want to tell you this we will win the battle I'm going to say it again. We will win the battle. Joshua 10, when they brought them out, Joshua told his commanders of his 
army. Come and put your feet on the king's neck. And they did as they were told. Don't be afraid. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Joshua told his men. Be strong and be courageous. For the Lord is going to do this to all of your enemies. Now the armies had been defeated. There's five kings that were hidden in a cave. They captured them. They brought them to Joshua who is the equivalent name of Jesus in the New Testament. Joshua is an example, an Old Testament type of Jesus whose job was to bring many sons into glory according to Hebrews 2.10. Tradition dictated that those captured would be made to lie on the ground, all of the kings, all of the leaders, that the victor would place his foot upon the neck of that king in order to symbolize that the victory was there. In this case, Joshua called for his captains. Some of them were young men that have just, they haven't been fighting too long. But he calls for his young men. And he says, I need you to do something. I want you to put your feet on the neck of this Canaanite king. I want you, what he was doing, he was transferring the authority to his captains. Much like Jesus has done to us. Jesus has already defeated Satan. Joshua had already put his foot on Satan, on the enemy's head many times. But that young man over there had never done it. So he said to the young man, I'm going to transfer my authority. And I want you to do it. See, Jesus has done the same thing to every believer today. He says, I've already defeated Satan. I know in the end I'm going to win. I know in the end that you're going to win. But maybe you don't realize in the end you're going to win. Maybe you don't realize the authority and power that you have in the name of Jesus. So come over here. I want you to get on that addiction. I want you to get on that stronghold. I want you to put your foot on its neck, whatever's been holding you down. And I want you to understand that authority has been given to you. And you can do the same thing to the devil that I did to him over 2,000 years ago on Calvary. Go Godless Hill, somebody help this preacher preach. My God, you've got victory. Jesus. Genesis chapter 315. This is a famous scripture. I want to read it to you. He said, and I will put enmity. This is the first promise that God gave us in the Bible. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, just leave it up for a minute. For an examination of, of chapter 3 and verse 15, we can make a few conclusions. Are you ready? Number one, the seed of the woman refers specifically to redeemed humanity, beginning with Abel. Most agree that its fulfillment, ultimate fulfillment was in Christ. First prophetic word concerning the cross of Jesus Christ is taking place in this verse. The bruised heel of the seed of the woman refers to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Mary would have a seed planted in her by the Holy Ghost. That seed would become flesh and walk among man and dwell among us. God became flesh. His name is Jesus Christ. You know the story. He's born in a major. He lives for 33 and a half years, dies, resurrects on the third day. Somebody ought to say, man, that's the story I'm talking about. The bruised heel of the seed of the woman refers to the crucifixion of Christ. The bruised head of the serpent speaks to the final judgment of Satan. All right? Watch this. So simply put, Jesus would be bruised for our iniquities. Y'all remember this? He said, I am bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon me. And by my stripes you are healed. So here we have this story. See, in this instance, I love it. He's bruised for our iniquities, but he would not be 
destroyed. Jesus took a bruising on that day, but it was not on his head. See, my God. Whenever you're riding a motorcycle, all right, do they require you to wear metal shoes? Are they worried about your heel getting bruised? Are they worried about you scrubbing your heel on the asphalt or the, you know, wherever you're driving at? But what they do recommend that you do is you wear a helmet because the head is important. The head is vital. If the head gets bruised, if the brain begins to swell and begins to have internal bleeding, it can be disastrous. You can die. You have to protect the head. That's why whenever we talk about kings and David at the time of war and the kings would go out and fight. And finally they tell David, say, David, we need you just to stay here. And the reason we want you to stay here is because if you die, I was reading this just the other day, said you're worth 10,000 men. Now, what's the concept here? The point is, if the head dies, then the body dies. Well, why do you think churches ever came up with the ideology of having a pastor, a lead pastor? Why, why did they ever come up with that? Because they understood there had to be structure. Why do you think we ever had deacons or elders or we ever had pastor councils in, in, instilled in the church? Why? Because there had to be heads. There had to be leadership. Does everybody understand what I'm preaching to you? So if we can attack the leadership, the head, then the body dies. So the head is valuable. So here in this instant, Jesus Christ, Christ took a beating on the cross but it was not his head it was his heel but the other one on the other end his name is the devil his name is our enemy some call him Satan Lucifer the great dragon whatever you want to call him but at the end of the day guess whose head got bruised it was not Jesus it was the devil and I need to say to somebody today that's been fighting in a battle you feel like your head's been bruised your head has not been bruised you need to pick up your foot and you need to bruise your heel and let the devil's head ache in pain because Jesus did it you can do it hallelujah my God almighty no wonder the apostle Paul wrote Romans 16 20 let's go and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your where under your feet Shortly, my God, Luke 10, 19. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and, and crush them. Does anybody see the analogy still playing out? The, do you see the rhetoric still playing out? Is my head getting injured? No. I'm walking on them. They may try to, try to bite me. They may try to sting me because that's what snakes do. See, the snake represents the enemy. It always has. The scorpion has that poisonous venom. It represents the enemy when he stings us. I'm not going to say that when I fight against the devil and I'm walking through this vicious territory in this war zone that the snake's not going to bite me. I'm not saying that the scorpion's not going to sting me. But just like Paul who shook off the venomous snake that had bit him in the hand, God said none of these things are going to injure you. You may go through warfare. You may come out with bruises. You may come out battered. But you're going to come out alive. My God Almighty. Somebody give God praise. Luke 10, 19. Let's go. Nothing will injure you. Verse 20. But don't rejoice. This is interesting because evil spirits obey you. This is what the sons of Sceva want. 
They want the spirits to obey them. He says, don't rejoice over that. He says, rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. To somebody today, I need you to understand it is time to declare war on the devil. One man said it this way. Mr. Devil, I have some thoughts for you to think about. The Lord is going before me. The blood of Jesus is over me. The everlasting arms of God are under me. And His goodness and His mercy are behind me. Following me all the days of my life. 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. This I love this verse. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in this world. Or another version said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't give an inch to the devil. It is sad when we allow the devil to be the one that places his foot on our neck. The Bible said don't give place to the devil. Don't allow him to get a foothold in your life. Our ultimate goal is to open their eyes, the world's eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power God. Come on, Sandra, play for me. Let's, let's, let's leave. Let me leave you with this. Yeah. To be spirit-empowered, you must first be spirit-filled. I'm going to say that again. To be spirit-empowered, you must be spirit-filled. Now, please notice this with me. The seven sons of Sceva were a, were a farce. They were a fake. They were forgers. Using a name they did not have authority to use. And in our text, they didn't have this spirit filling them. Look at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the ultimate goal, and I'll preach this another day for another time. But he said, you will be my witnesses. You're going to tell people everywhere throughout the world about the goodness of God. Now... So let's go back to my title screen. I'm closing. I'm closing. So as these people, as I close, my mic drop moment. Here we are. Come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. I mean, Paul has cast out a lot of devils. We've been watching this guy. If it works for Paul, it'll work for us. And by the way, our dad's a church of God preacher. The Bible says he's a leading priest. I can hang on the daddy's coattail. I can hang on the mama's prayers. So in the name of Phyllis, you know, in the name of Jesus that Phyllis prays to, come out. It just don't work, folks. And the interesting thing is when the devil speaks back to them, he makes a mockery of them. When he says, well, listen, young men, I know who Paul is. I definitely know who Jesus is. But who in the world are you? So today, I ask you one question before we pray and leave today, and that's this. Does the devil know your name? Are you a threat to his kingdom? Does he get scared when you pray? Does he get scared when you sing? Does he get scared when you preach? Does he get scared when you tell somebody about Jesus because he knows that you're going to shake their core of their soul and you're going to convince them to come to Christ? That, that, as one man said, he said, when my feet 
hit the ground in the morning when I get out of my bed, I want all of hell to tremble. That, my friends, is having true power with God. So, for this week, just think about it. Does the devil know your name? Let's stand. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. My God. My, 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 my. Jesus. Father, today I praise you. I praise you for who you are. Lord, before we go today, I pray for George Floyd's family. I pray for racial division in this world. Rebuke that in the powerful name of Jesus. Those that are doing protests, I'm asking you to get in their heart. Let them understand they can have a peaceful protest. Let them understand that their voice can be heard. It needs to be heard. We all have a right to voice our opinion. But we can do it in a civil way. I'm asking you to bless the state of South Carolina, who even this afternoon, we have a scheduled, air quotes, peaceful protest. Bless the streets of South Carolina today. Don't let it be what took place in Charleston. Just last evening, how the people busted out windows. My God, help us. You're the only hope of this world. So in Jesus' powerful name that we have authority to use, I'm asking you to touch people's heart. They're hurting, but they need to understand what they need is not to bust out windows and try to throw things at police. What they need is Jesus Christ in their heart. And then they'll understand that what took place on that day, it wasn't the work of God. It wasn't just because it's a white man. It is the point, it was our, our enemy, the devil, working through a man. Regardless of the skin color. It was the work of the devil. Father, help us to respond by showing love. Help us to respond the right way. God, for my friend Tina today that's in the hospital. In the powerful name of Jesus. I'm asking you to bring healing to her. She had a stroke. They don't know how much it's affected her. I'm asking you to give her back everything that she lost and even more. Father, for everyone here today, I'm asking you in your powerful name, Jesus, let them evaluate themselves this week. Let them go home and start flexing those spiritual muscles. It's funny, whenever people start working out and they want to show you their biceps, and they say, look at this. I've been lifting weights. They're proud of it. They show it off. Help us to evaluate our spiritual bodybuilding. Help us to evaluate our spiritual exercises. And help us to understand that our physical training profiteth little. But Father, if we're not strong in the spirit, it doesn't mean anything. Father, help us today to reevaluate. Help us to ask the question. If Satan wants to come into my house and take some of my goods, can he just walk through my door? If he wants to come in and attack my family, my children, can he just come in my door? Father, help me to be a man of prayer, a man of power. That Satan will say, boys, I can go anywhere, but I can't go in that house. Because I've already declared war on him. I've met him in the yard. I've put a boundary. I've prayed angels around my property. You cannot get to my family. Father, what kind of man are we? What kind of woman are we? Are we a man of power? A woman of power with God? Do we have power with God? Does the devil even recognize who I am? Am I making a difference in the world? Am I doing anything that matters? My God, help me. Help me. I want the devil 
to know my name. Thank you, Father. Amen. God bless you. Sing, Brian. Sing while, while we're exit out. You can be seated. We're going to start exit. Your blood is God bless you all. We love you. We, we love you. For those waiting, praise your God. Just worship Him. Worship Him on your way out. For the whole